This podcast is intended for a mature audience. If you are under 18 years of age, please come back when you are to enjoy our content. The information, opinions, and stories shared in this podcast are for educational purposes only. The content creators are not certified sex therapists or counselors and rely heavily on experts. Come explore, learn, and grow with us. Hello, Ellie. I'm hoping you had a fantastic week. I've had a I had a good week. It was um that that doesn't um, sound as fantastic as I was hoping. <laughs> well, you know, work, day jobs, life. life Adulting. Exactly. Adulting sucks. I want a refund. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I was told you. it was I was told it was gonna be sex and booze and parties and no one to tell you no. But it's more like, you know, that picture of the dog that's walking with his own leash in his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. So I, I got to say, like, I need I need an I need an adultier adult to help me adult <laughs> in the words of my generation, which you probably have already guessed by that particular brand of humor. Mm hmm. Well, let's escape the woes of our week then. And let's talk about, I don't know, something kinky. And let's start with how our podcast went public. It took a lot of submissions. It took a lot of battling with errors about a certain platform that for some reason has some bugs in their integration. I'm not going to name any names. Spotify knows who it is. Uh, <laughs> but everything is up and running. Uh, hey. Everything's submitted. Everything's approved. So now we're on SoundCloud. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, and we are on Amazon Music because I tried to do Google, but for some reason, Google is discontinuing its podcast manager and it wants everyone to move to YouTube Music yeah. because when you see, because when you think of podcasts, you obviously think of YouTube. Yeah. Um, no, I so live I, on Amazon, so I'm not an Apple or Spotify person. So, yeah, this will make all of us more Android-y Amazon people happy. Oh, so. uh, yeah. As long as as long as we take care of, of, of our Android friends, I'm, I'm, I'll be very happy. Uh, and I also have to say that there is a joke in tech about Google nowadays, which is that their only product is their quarterly financial reports. <laughs> and the, by the way, they've been shutting down products and replacing them with just random nonsense. I, I can totally see that. Mm -hmm. So Amazon, it is Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud. And uh, have you checked our email account? Did we get any mail? A lot of confirmations that were up and running so far, Good. but, but you can be part of that 1% club and change that by emailing us at talking kink with Alex and Ellie at gmail.com. Love it. Yeah. I hope the next time we open it, it'll just start bursting with stories and comments and feedback, maybe questions. I would love it if people would post questions, not just show ideas, but like things that have actually been like really making them curious. Yeah. Like what the hell did Alex say? And can Ellie elaborate on this a little more? We will. We will. We'll explain what I said and Ellie will elaborate. I guarantee it. 
Yep, we promise. And I know following up from our last episode, Free Use and Breeding, um, I was uh, listening to it because I like to do that, listen to us, our own voices, <laughs> after we uh, post it. And I noticed we laughed a lot more on that episode. Did you notice that? Yeah, I mean, you definitely got to check the quality of the edit and make sure you didn't do anything wrong. So, I, I mean, and then also the interesting part is you kind of get used to the sound of your voice because you sound very different than you do in your head. Uh, that's mm -hmm. that's the first thing that everyone who who gets recorded a lot tells me. But, um, yeah, we definitely laughed a lot more. But I do think that is just we're getting more comfortable with each other. We're getting more comfortable with the mm -hmm. format of the show. We're loosening up a little bit. You know, it's it's kind of like um, I would say the first few episodes are kind of like foreplay. You You want to you kind of get warmed up and you start getting into it and you start figuring out what you like and what you don't like and what you're doing. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm, yes. I've enjoyed every moment of it. <laughs> good, good. I'm very happy. But I know in that episode, there was a point where you kind of made this face when I said that um, I read smut and you read like higher level, you know, literary specialties and it was almost like you wanted to defend the book do you, do you want to carry on with that well it's not so much that i wanted to defend the book is that i wanted to defend myself and say that the stuff that i read also does not necessarily is not necessarily like you know ulysses all the time like we're not like i'm not <laughs> reading uh literature that is completely devoid of anything sexual and to make a point, I wanted to read a quick excerpt from my recommendation Ooh. from that episode, The World Inside. I'm listening. And again, just a reminder, The World Inside is about a future Earth where the population spends basically all of its time breeding indoors. And it's for 18 plus, just like our podcast, right? <laughs> Technically, no, but actually, yes. I mean, you probably you probably don't want to hand that novel over to children. Okay. As an example, The Child Points, Modern Seas. On Principessa's side of the sleeping platform, curled against the inflation pedal, lies 14-year-old Sigmund Clover, who had entered the Modern home several hours after midnight to exercise his right of sex. Sigmund is fond of older women. He has become quite notorious in the past few months. Now he snores and has had a good workout. Madden nudges him. Sigmund, Sigmund, it's morning. The young man's eyes open. He smiles at Madden, who sits up and reaches for his wrap. He's quite handsome. He lives on the 787th floor and has already one child and another on the way. Sorry, says Sigmund. I oversled. Principessa really drains me. As savage she is. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Very high, very, very high order literature. But no, actually, again, it's I think it's a good book. It does not go easy on its subject matter. I think it's perfectly balanced for what it is. I don't know about you, but I do appreciate when books don't shy away from sex, because if you're writing about humans, humans have sex. So it just makes sense that it is part of the story at one point or another. That I have to interject here and I have to be honest. That was really tame, in my opinion. Well, I mean, I mean they, you didn't say pussy once, not cock, not fuck. Like, is there that language at all in there? You said it's from 1971, right? It was published in 1971, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's not actually, I can't recall off the top of my head. I think probably a few times. 
Um, it's definitely there's definitely a lot of that content in the Illuminatus trilogy, mm-hmm. which is basically this kind of absurdist science fiction, and that is just pure smut that makes fun of a million conspiracy theories. So if mm-hmm. you want to talk about kind of like uh, more mainstream books that have just a crap load of sex. Yeah, yeah, the Illuminatus trilogy would be it. And those exact words are used copiously and throughout the what seem like 17,000 pages. Okay, you're going to have to put that in our show notes because even I want to go check that out next. Absolutely. Done, done, and done. So you like to tease, Alex. Is there any teasing you want to do at this point in the show? Mm, well, I mean... I don't know. Do I really like to tease? Am I really that bad? You are, but I think we all like it. Mm. You know, I've actually gotten in trouble for that once upon a time, but that's a story for another time. (laughs) But uh, we were talking about sex and fiction, and uh, it's actually a topic that I find interesting, obviously, if you've listened Mm -hmm. to me talk for the past two minutes. (laughs) And I think we may want to bring on an expert to kind of help us dive into that topic a little bit more, you know, just really thrust into the, you know. The smut. Just say it. Yes. (laughs) No, I was was trying to say into like into the depths of it, but I see, I see, I need, I need help. I need, I need a little bit of training. (laughs) Well, I, I would love to help out with this next episode because I've had such wonderful experiences on Twitter as an editor for erotic novels. Um, I've been meeting and having lots of pleasure, not that kind, but literary pleasure, working alongside indie authors. They are self-published people. They're in places like Literotica, Medium, Amazon, and Kindle. And uh, I'd love, but I don't know if I could pick who to invite because I've worked with Ed Leather, um, my absolute favorite, would be the person who fills up my Kindle the most. How naughty does that sound? <laughs> fills up my Kindle. <laughs> See, I was going for something like that. This is why you're the editor of this and I <laughs> stick more to technical. Well, he tickles my, the naughty side of my mind too. Logan Black of the Danny Diamond Erotic Mystery Series. Um, but there's also like Eli Casablanca who wrote a book called Short Stories in which people fuck. Um, I happen to keep that one in my camper for light reading. Mm, I wonder, is it a collection of short stories? Yeah. And, Are you and do people fuck me? in those stories? <laughs> hey, Mom, what's this book? What's this book about? Oh, it's right on the cover. Put it back. <laughs> uh, no, I've also worked with people like Tori Hamlin of Erotic Kinks. I did a collaborative voice project with uh, them and... I recently edited a work called Fantastic. It was my first vampire story with Skylar Quinn. And so with all these new friends in the publishing industry, I don't know, I've got lots of people to choose from that keep the attention of fans of romantic adult fiction, but give them the added spice that they never knew they wanted or needed. Now, now, Ellie, I gotta, I gotta get back for a second. Vampires? Is it just, is, is it kind of like more like I want to suck your blood? <laughs> oh my god, we are gonna have so much fun on that episode. I'll, I'll make sure to invite one, maybe more. No, we, we'll, we'll invite one to come and talk to us about how they're changing the art of fiction into smut. 
and hey, I got to say that we can always do follow-ups if there's demand for it or if we mm-hmm. find that we have plenty more things to discuss but don't have the time because we do have to keep this at about an hour for mm-hmm. various reasons. Um, and also, it used to be that if you were self-published, that was really kind of a sign of low quality. But nowadays, mm-hmm. because the mainstream publishers barely publish anything and something like 98% of everything that's published sells less than a few thousand copies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to you gotta really expand your horizons and especially the selection that you have with some of the algorithms, the people who are there for a long time, the people who have been successful at it, um, mm-hmm. they don't want to share a whole bunch of money with a publisher that basically does nothing for them anymore. So Mm -hmm. I I just, I really do want to point that out. I think that that's something that has been discussed in literary circles a lot, book circles a lot, but I don't know if that's really kind of made it down to kind of like the casual reader. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think we could talk about that forever. So we'll leave that for the episode that you're teasing people with, and we're going to move on to today's topic. What is today's topic, by the way? We are dabbling in friends with benefits. Oh, we're slipping into old friends. Got it. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> tell them tell them what you like to call this episode. You have to read it. Okay, so I like to call this episode, You've Got a Friend in You. Yes, I did watch Toy Story. You got to overemphasize the word in, and I want you to say it in his accent, his voice. No, I, that's just partially not a thing. sing it. No, no. Okay. So no, uh, I, that violates the Geneva convention. I'm pretty sure some snipers would take me out and, you know, Canadians, they're very good snipers. So I'm just, I'm not risking it. Okay. Okay. So do you want to know where my research took me this time, Alex? I'm assuming that it took you somewhere where the search had to be off. Yes. We, but yes, no, I definitely, no, no, Ellie, please. By all we means, established that last time. But this time I, I went with my usual Google search, which I don't know. Yeah, I'm not loving Google and, and I'll have to talk to you about what it, whatever this new duck, duck, go duck research. What is this duck thing I'm hearing oh, about? Oh, this is going to, okay, that's going to take us on a, on a big tangent. But when it comes to Google, um, yeah. if you believe that their results have gotten shittier, yeah. it, it's not just you, <gasps> literal okay. experts, literal yeah. experts on search and PhDs in algorithmic analysis completely 100% agree with you that Google is being driven by, first of all, terrible searches, and second, completely polluted by ads. And third, there has been a bit of a conspiracy theory, but it's been posed by people who are not really prone to conspiracy theories, that they actually substitute your search terms behind your back to make sure that you (laughs) have the right shopping results and not necessarily the right information. So... I, there's a lot of things that I could say about it from a tech standpoint, Mm -hmm. but the bottom line is you're absolutely right. It has gotten much worse. And there are several engines like DuckDuckGo, which are now focused on shopping. They're focused on relevancy. And there's some other startups that are basically saying, hey, maybe if you pay us a little bit, that gives us all the support that we need for all the services that we need, but we'll actually give you the best possible results, period. Well, I've downloaded the DuckDuckGo. I, I've got it ready to go, but unfortunately, I didn't use it 
and I'm, and I'm feeling kind of bad because my research starts off with what is the definition of friends with benefits? And that query took me to a very unexpected place right off the hop. Dear Mr. Google, Mr. Google there took me directly to, drum roll, kids help phone, kids help phone.ca. What? Um, what? Oh. Yeah. Stop there. I was just as speechless. Yeah. Kids help phone.ca. Okay. Now right there, it's on their tab. They have a tab called get info. Okay. I'm not a child. I clicked get info and it actually gave me the definition of friends with benefits. Okay. Friends with benefits means the people who know each other engage in intimate sexual activity without really dating each other. It's different okay. from hooking up, which tends to be a one-time thing with someone new. Should I be questioning the sources here? Yeah, I would question those sources a lot. Now, that's not necessarily too wrong, but that's not... It's a great not... website. It's a very good website. I've seen this website over how many decades serving children with information and... But that's the last topic I thought I'd see on there. Well, I don't know. They do say kids grow up fast these days. Maybe I'm a prude. Am I? No, I'm definitely not a prude. I, yeah, I was going to say <laughs> that. So I did. Okay, stop there. <laughs> Don't carry on there. I chose another website, choosingtherapy.com. This one explained that Friends with Benefits is a popular way. Look at the word popular. To communicate a relationship that has romantic tones, but does not require the full expectations of romantic dating or committed relationships. And that they often focus on having someone available for sexual experiences and fun together. And then they add in. This isn't the definition. They add in. They may come with challenges to consider. Okay. Uh, that's fair. I do like that they say that it's popular. It sounds like peer pressure. Everybody's doing it. <laughs> You're not cool if you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to throw in here. I found a graphic. I love searching for memes. This is as part of my entertainment, not my research. Here's bro tip 47. Don't look at it as casual sex. Look at it as you're helping your friend have an orgasm. When you say bro tip, you need to wear a baseball cap backwards. It's just, a, it, I don't make the rules. That's just but what our, it is. Our listeners can't see me though. Like that is, you just, that's you just, just for your pleasure. You just have to do it. You just have to do it. It's, I'm sorry, it's the rules. But when they say that last line, but they may come with challenges to consider. At first I was like, what the? Like, why do they have to go there in the definition? But then I'm thinking, no, that's kind of like our podcast. We always show the dark sides and the light side, the good, the bad, you know? So Yeah, that's, that, is, that is true. You can very much get hoisted by your own petard in uh, friends with benefits relationships. So just a little bit of, of, of grimness in there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think the way I connected it to our previous podcast episodes is it, it basically, it, it is a dynamic between two people and it's only as good as the people communicating together about it. I would agree with that. Then I took my entertainment homework and furthered into movies because, you know, I like to do that. And I found my dear old friend, Justin Timberlake. 
you know, he's he's one of my friends with benefits in my dreams. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can we talk about the movie? We can talk about the movie. I have should also note. It? Well, no, I haven't actually seen it, but <gasps> I do know. Hold on, hold on. I've seen something better. I've seen his co-star in that movie, Mila Kunis from That 70s Show and also the voice of Meg in Family Guy. Um, She's Ukrainian. And they went on this press junket to promote the movie somewhere in Russia, which is very conservative and prudish and bloodthirsty. But that's that's a separate thing. And they were knocking the movie basically like for glorifying casual sex. And she was defending it influent russians so that that was oh. that was worth it for me that was that was the movie for me nice sexy and smart well justin and her had fun but it doesn't start that way i'm not going to give away the whole movie but i have to tell you kind of my favorite parts can i should of i course. do like a spoiler alert right now just in case if you haven't seen it and you really don't want anything you can fast forward a little bit Ellie's movie analysis begins now. Okay. So at the very beginning, both her and Justin get dumped. But my favorite line is, our favorite series of lines is, she says in one screen, oh, this bullshit Hollywood cliche of true love. And then she looks at a poster for the Ugly Truth movie. And she says, shut up, Catherine Hagel, you stupid liar. There was another scene. Let me, let me get back to the scene. So okay. there's a scene where she brings out a digital Bible on a uh, iPad. Well, it could have been any kind of tablet. Honestly, I was hoping that maybe it would be Android. <laughs> wow, we got to talk about this anti-Apple vendetta that you're on all of a sudden. But that can be, okay, that could be tangential. Yes, later. Hands on the Bible, and they say, no relationship, no emotions, just sex. Whatever happens, we stay friends. Swear. You got hmm. nothing? No, I mean, I'm just trying to think what would happen if I brought out the Bible. I mean, okay, first well, of all, they were like, how do you even have a Bible? And I was like, well, why wouldn't I have a Bible? It's a Bible and, app. That's what's even more weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to I'm just trying to, to, to just imagine what would happen. And there would just be a lot of questions. I feel like I would just answer, be answering way too many questions to actually get that done in real life. Well, it makes me ask the questions, especially of our listeners. If you've had a friends with benefits, like how did you start out? Did you put your hand on a Bible? Did you swear? How did you set those boundaries and agreements? You know, for me, there was no Bible and it wasn't no Christian gray shades of gray shit either with like a legal document with a full contract. But yet sometimes when a friends with benefits kind of goes wrong or bad, you almost want that to fall back on. Well, I mean, the problem is it's not exactly you can get that notarized and that's not exactly <laughs> there's not like a court like we established that there's a free use court, but I set that up. So the rules of that are all over the place. Uh, do we have to go ahead and set up a friends with benefits court now? This is that's too much pressure. <laughs> too much pressure. Well, there was no pressure in this movie. They had the cutest chemistry. I'm I'm using my hands because I'm part French. <laughs> The cutest chemistry. I know my the listeners can't see my hands, but there was a scene um, where they had the lights on and he was stating that he was wanting to be emotionally supportive in the moment with her. And cute M- Mila, she says, you got to lock that down. 
meaning like, stop it. There's not supposed to be emotions in this type of dynamic. And he's being all supportive and kind as he's feeling up her boobies like a 15 year old kid would do. And she says, okay, and your ass is a little bony. No, he says your ass is a little bony. And then she says, now that's much better. Like keeping it just at that friend level, that banter. And she's a little uptight in that moment, wondering, like, are we too old? Should we really be getting into this? And she's not into what he's doing as he's munching and saying the alphabet down below. And he just says to her, relax. It's just a friend going down on another friend. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got it. You got to watch it. Put it on your watch list, Alex. Understood. No, like really, like for, for homework, you, you got, you got to promise, swear on a Bible right now. <laughs> oh God, I have to do homework now. I, I thought that when I became an adult, I wouldn't have to do homework anymore. Boy, oh, were you wrong. Then you met mm, me. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah, this is what I get for dealing with educators. But why do people get into this kink? this friends with benefits dynamic. It's not really a fetish. It's more of a kink or a relationship status almost, right? I would, yeah, I would almost say a relationship status. Um, now I can't talk for everyone, but mm -hmm. for me, there's, it was kind of, there's a sense of safety with friends. Like you, mm -hmm. you know them, you have hung out with them. They know you, they've spent time around you. You may have gotten mm -hmm. close, you shared some stories, maybe even shared physical space. You maybe you you shared bedrooms, you were roommates, maybe even shared a bed in the past. Just I mean, just to sleep on. But mm -hmm. maybe like that's all like you feel much more comfortable around them. It's not a stranger. You don't feel as vulnerable with them. You don't feel as threatened by them. You're not second guessing them nearly as much because, again, these are people who, you know, very well. Um, but of course the other big thing is there's really no long-term commitment up front. You're basically almost like test driving the relationship and that, oh, really, I like that. It, it really just lowers the expectations. It really lowers the stress level because you're not like, you're not trying to court each other. This is mm -hmm. just friends having fun seeing where it goes in an ideal scenario. And again, you already know each other, so you have a head start. You may have even shared some things that, oh, well, I like this or I don't like that. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of pursue that immediately where you know that someone's like, oh, you know, I will, they, everyone always tries to go down on me and they are too rough. Okay, great, I got it. So if I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna be more gentle. Or mm -hmm. I'm going to slowly escalate until I find that that right balance. So once again, you have that insider information. You don't have yeah. to pry. You don't have to glean. Like so, there there's a huge amount of confidence that that goes in there. Well, because um, with some friends, right? You're talking about almost building a playbook then for a friend. If you've sat by them and watched them go through horrible relationships, you've heard or seen things they don't like and things they wouldn't put up with. And then you have the chance to venture into the sexual relationship where you've got, like you said, the insider information. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. But you're kind of talking like to single people. Friends with benefits isn't always just about single people, right? Right. You can, you can be married and have friends with benefits. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Open relationships as part of an alternative lifestyle or sharing kink can definitely bring in someone and give them the title, the label, friends with benefits, or yeah, while you're single and dating. Now, another way that a friends with benefits relationship really does work out mm-hmm. is, or kind of naturally happens, is if you are what the kids today call neurospicy. If you're not, if Tell you're me not, more. if you're not quite normal, so to speak. So this is, um, I mean, we're supposed to be transparent for this and we're supposed to be honest. So mm-hmm. I, I am a little bit on the spectrum. I'm, I'm high functioning, but I am on the spectrum. And so it doesn't mean that I don't feel the same things that, that other people do. I just process them differently. Mm-hmm. And the biggest concern and the biggest issue for people like me is how do you actually build relationships and how do you know that something is appropriate for some mm-hmm. people? Um, they overshare or they don't know when to stop or they get too rowdy and other people, again, like myself, kind of shut down and withdraw. It's not so much like we're trying to be like these loners. It's just we don't really know what to do and we'd rather not impose. So we want to build a little bit of distance. Mm -hmm. Well, the issue is that sometimes you have friends who want to escalate relationships and you don't know how to do that or you don't quite understand that this is what they're trying to do. But if they are dominant enough or you're in the right kind of relationship and the right kind of frame of mind, they can introduce the benefits part to the friendship and you kind of go along with it and you're not Mm -hmm. really sure what to do, but you are getting your physical needs met and you are hanging out with a friend. So it kind of, it, it works in a really odd way. It kind of works. And I've definitely had a relationship like that where it started off as friends with benefits, adults having fun, and then it turned into something a lot more. But we had that test drive first. We already knew Mm -hmm. that we were very compatible. So it was a good thing in this particular case. Mm -hmm. Because I know a lot of people, when you say test drive, a lot of people think that dating is the test driving for marriage. But we're talking about Something totally different, right? Like it's going right from the get-go saying you don't want the long-term commitment. It's not even an end goal post, right? For people who often go into friends with benefits arrangements. Yeah, it's just exploring a little bit, trying to figure out what you like and what you don't like and with who you have chemistry. It's not, I I think there's the old-fashioned approach of trying to kind of resurrect courtship or make courtship still relevant in the world where it doesn't really work because Mm -hmm. people are different. The culture is different. People's needs are different. Um, So this friends with benefit relationship really kind of steps in to fill that role of let's figure out if we're compatible before we go any further because we don't really have the luxury to go through a process. Mm-hmm. And especially that process, the courtship process, we have to note that it's very patriarchal. It has a lot of assumptions that are built into it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people disagree with many of its ideas and tenets, and they would much rather take things at their own pace. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. Thank you for sharing. I know um, for me, the friends with benefits filled a basic need. You know, I, I shared that uh, my partner was absent um, 
because of distance, because of work, because of a COVID lockdown. And we found ourselves wanting to figure out how we could meet our sexual needs when that was happening. Can I just say that, Ellie, that that the amount of people who said, oh, I really started branching out into non-monogamy or finding friends with benefits during the COVID lockdown has just been Mm -hmm. astronomical. There's so many people that I see nowadays that they're just like, yeah, I really started thinking about this during during the the lockdown. Mm -hmm. And I get it. I get it. You're you're there and you're just thinking, what what do I want? If I get through this, what what do I want out of life? Yeah. Yeah. Get through this as a pandemic. Yeah. A lot of people shared with me that they were uh, locked in their house with their spouse and that they ended up having some of the best conversations when they had to spend that much time together. And then they really started growing in their honesty, too. I ended up working all the time because I worked in an industry that was very much necessary to keep running during the pandemic. So I had kind of the opposite effect. Yep. Yeah. Well, my husband ended up that he worked for a company that was kind of affiliated with an industry that kind of got shut down because of COVID, like halted. And so there was no more work. And so he ended up um, taking a job with a with a friend in another province so that he wouldn't have to go on the support programs that were available to people who lost their incomes. And he went and took this job, but he was gone for 14 months. And that part we didn't we couldn't have predicted the amount of shutdowns and lockdowns and and uh, the way the, how much he actually loved the job. We were very surprised at how much he actually loved it. Uh, and he loved living in the province that he was in. It's, it was very different from where we are, where we're currently with our family. So uh, we found in our, our, ourselves in the situation where I was trying to handle the house and all the things like, you know, fixing things and renovating the kitchen and, and, uh, but also having to think about satisfying my own cravings while my spouse was really far away. And we did the phone sex and we did, um, uh, sexting over chat, you know, but it's just not the same. And so we ended up finding that his best friend was coming over to help me with things around the house and help me with the renovation and help me with some other things too. So like, so while you're unclogging your pipes, you're going, hmm, I wish someone was here to lay down some pipe. <laughs> I knew you were going to go. Yeah. To my plumbing. Yeah. <laughs> cheesy, cheesy. But that, that is kind of how ours kind of got started and helped us to open it up and be comfortable with it in that it was meeting a basic need. Yeah. Nothing emotional, nothing, you know, deep or anything. Um, So that was another way that some people could maybe start in a friends with benefits. But I've also heard of a lot of older gentlemen are posting a lot on Reddit, divorced older gentlemen, that they're done with the committed long-term relationships. And just for a while, they still want that intimacy. They still want that casual sex, but they just want it with one person, you know, less hassle of juggling more than one friends with benefits because Alex is there too many? How many is too many having friends with the benefits? Uh, I will tell a story later and you can decide for yourself. 
Nice. And, but I will just tell you right now that I am the wrong person to ask that question. <laughs> but I will tell you that I've definitely met a number of divorced middle-aged men who are very mm-hmm. much like we, you know, we we got divorced. We don't really know what to do later. We're not really sure if we're ready for a committed relationship. We don't know if we have it in us. Because mm-hmm. the 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 problem is it's for, for a lot of these men, it is fairly traumatic. Like it's traumatic to go through a divorce. At some point, your personality and the personality of your spouse really meshes together. And it is very difficult to separate the two after a while. And it's just you don't really want to live through that again. You just mm-hmm. you you want that that intimacy, you want that that passion, but at the same time, you don't want to take the same risk. So I completely understand where they're coming from. And this is why um, they can justify it in, in in many ways. And there's definitely men out there who are going, oh, you know, all of these relationships today, they're not worth it. And women are bad to us and blah, blah, blah. But really what it comes down to, they've been burnt before. They don't mm-hmm. want to get burnt again. They're going to justify it any way they want. But the rea- but that's really the reality. Like they tried, they got burned. They don't want to mm-hmm. do that again. No, but they want to find someone that they can actually count on a sure thing, guaranteed sex, that NSA, no strings attached kind of sex. Um, But there are strings, I think, in that when you think of a friend, that friend respects you, that friend cares for you, that friend will make plans with you and be honest with you. So yeah, it's not always so black and white. And it can screw things up sometimes. Yeah, it absolutely can. Because like I mentioned, you can catch feelings again as the kids call it nowadays mm-hmm. and you, it can develop yeah it can develop further because you're not made of stone if you're mm-hmm. spending a lot of time with somebody they will grow on you if you're constantly having sex with someone you will learn a lot more about them it will become very comfortable it will become very familiar um, and they say familiarity breeds contempt, but that's not really true. Familiarity in many ways breeds love for people. It's mm-hmm. very, it, it doesn't have to be this passionate, romantic, all consuming love because it mostly exists in books and not, you know, the fun books, more of the purple prose kind of books um, mm-hmm. and really, really sappy Hollywood rom coms. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's more of just that 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 feeling of I'm safe with this person. Mm-hmm. Um, I and can that, count on them. Yeah, yeah, I can count on them. Uh, I can count on them to come through. I can count on them to make me come. Um, <laughs> they and, know me and my little lady bits. Yeah, no, I hear yeah. you. And vice versa. So it, it becomes this very nice, comfortable relationship where you don't really want to part. So mm-hmm. if it kind of runs its course it can be really unpleasant and it can kind of get a little bit um can kind of get a little bit complicated because funny enough i met my spouse mm-hmm. because a friend but benefits told me oh you should take her on a date she's really cute ah this is what i mean by you can get hoisted by your own petard imagine her saying that and all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, so uh, she's really cool. And I feel like we should take a pause. And then she's just like, ah, what did I do? (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to be a friend. Let me take it back. Let me take it back. Nope. Too late. No taxis, (laughs) backsies. 
Well, I know I've shared that one of my friends with benefits was uh, lovingly termed matches, my nicknames. And there was a point where after the 14 months or so um, that my husband wondered if we were getting a little too close, uh, if our sexy fun had maybe run its course and that maybe we were a little too familiar with each other, uh, overstepping kind of that those bounds of what is a friends with benefits and what is a little more. And so he suggested that we find new friends with benefits. And well, well hold on, you know, maybe we should back up because there was some feedback from a follower on FetLife that he actually really enjoyed when I shared about matches and that story. So Alex, I was kind of wondering if we should maybe bring matches on to our podcast and ask him to actually join the conversation to help tell the story or this part of my story. Yeah, I mean, definitely, because uh, it's always good to hear from the person in their own words. Yes. And my husband has accused me of not remembering things exactly right. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe spin in the story so that, you know, either I look better in the light or, or maybe I, you know, forgot some of the juicier details. So can we bring him on? I'll, I'll, I'll call him right now. I mean, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Let me just do some tech magic in there. Let's do this. Hi, Matches. How's it going? It's good. How are you? Oh, can't complain. Can't complain. I'm glad you're uh, taking some time to answer questions for us. I always like it when uh, we get to hear uh, firsthand accounts. Well, I we thought it was interesting to, uh, to get my side of the stories. Yeah, I was going to say, we're not just going to like power wash you with questions. We're going to just let you share your side of things. Uh, I'm oh. good. Okay. Well, I, I guess we'll change up the plans then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, uh, we have to ask. How did you feel when Ellie suggested that you take your friendship to the next level, kind of uh, level up, if you will? Oh. Well, we actually had always been flirty as friends, just that's how we were. And then decades, uh, decades, decades of flirting, other. but friendship. Yeah. And then we decided to go to a, a sex show at, at, with, with our couple, like with my spouse and her spouse. And contacts. This when, is like years before, though, this right? This is years ago. Yeah. yeah. So when I clued in there that she's got a predilection for uh, some of the kinky <laughs> adventures that uh, end up, we cashed in on. <laughs> in the so, end, yeah. In the end, definitely, yeah. So cashed in. That's 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 an interesting way to put it. Well, it was it was kind of a surprise because uh, I really didn't think anything would ever happen, but when we did, um, we just we talked about it and then. It all kind of started with uh, a visit during a lunch hour uh, mm -hmm. when she came over and and started with you know a little bit of a blowjob and yeah caught yeah. me off guard and that's how we all started and yeah it was it was it was like a, a bit of a dance though right like it was, there was, it was in that in that lunch hour there was this tug and pull of wait we're just friends and no we can do this and I have permission and let's you know should we and I remember you kind of summoning me over to the couch because we were both like hesitant we weren't sure how to start it so yeah yeah that's how it all began and uh, it's been fun ever since okay and how did you kind of reconcile your view of the friendship under these kinds of new terms because now when you kind of add the benefits there's a whole new landscape to navigate i've always looked at uh, sex as, as sex like it's not a i don't find it um about emotion as much as some 
might. I don't know. It's just, it's fun. It's a way to, I don't know, bond, hang out. And uh, it just, I think, added to our friendship. So Yeah, it definitely yeah. spoke to your personality melding with mine and that, you know, to you can fuck without that love and emotion and that you're just focused on the pleasure and the feelings, you know, the orgasms um, as just another added benefit, right? Like I had, oh, shared exactly, already, yeah. I had already shared that hubby was living out of the province for work and you were just always over and you were fixing this and fixing that and helping me and, you know, in many, many ways. Yeah, and then having uh, the dead bedroom that led into an open relationship kind of really helped that cause. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and so match is your nickname. It's also that you were a perfect match for us in that mm. time of our lives. Yeah, and still are. Oh yeah, those movie nights were great. <laughs> um, I was wondering. Some of my my followers, especially on the kinkier places like FetLife, are wondering. What is the best thing about having one of your good friends, maybe one of your best friends, as a playmate? I think it's uh, partially the, the tongue-in-cheek conversations you can have where you're not, uh, or nobody else is privy to what you guys have done. So you can have the innuendos without anyone even having a clue what we're talking about. Or, uh, I don't know, the ability to just go for a nice run, you know, when we're camping and make the best of it. That ice run for the listeners is what led to the infamous cemetery story. Cemetery, yes. That was a good time. <laughs> oh, getting all flustered. And and again, no one no one freaked out about the plastination, but the cemetery story was apparently that, it's that, still that, that got everyone comments. in Yeah, that got everybody in a tizzy. That's okay. So where is your friendship now that you're not playing with Ellie anymore? Oh, it's still perfectly the same. And um, nothing's really changed. I was always worried more about uh, a friendship with her husband, who was my mm -hmm. best friend. Before so, me. Before, like before her, yeah. So when we got permission to play, I was really concerned about how uh, our friendship would be impacted. And uh, fortunately, it hasn't been. So that was that was my only real yeah. concern. He was over just last night and actually the night before two movie nights back to back and all clothes stayed on. It's it's just it's not a big deal. Our friendship is worth way more than the sexual escapades. And I think it'll just ebb and flow until we're into our 80s, maybe living in that on that commune we talked about building. And I, and I have no doubt that uh, <sighs> we'll go camping again sometime. And who knows? Another uh, opportunity expedition yeah. to another private place, and uh, it can always happen. Can I just say that that the commune? Everyone has been telling me about that that commune dream lately. Every pretty much everybody I know is like, well, you know, we should kind of build a commune, and we should kind of just all live together. And you know, if something happens, and something happens, so it's for it us, we want most popular. We want to build it with the intention, dream. yeah, with the intention that it, it will happen. Like, that's the purpose. You're there to help each other, right? Like, the community helps out with the gardening and with the transportation, one vehicle maybe, and we're in the same locale with one shared hot tub, you know, and then the benefits just come along with it because everyone's there with the same 
purpose and intention maybe. And so we've joked about it, but I don't want to live in an old folks home when I'm older. I want to live in a little cul-de-sac with my, you know, eight or 10 horny couple friends. Like, so, so basically uh kibbutz, but with more sex. And my nurse will be called Sven and he'll be from Switzerland and he'll be, you know, (laughs) sexy and like 50 years younger than me. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, (laughs) Matches, how do you feel about that? Hey, whatever strokes her boat. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, this was fascinating. And uh, yeah, I'm very glad to to, to hear your side of the story firsthand. Thanks for having me. Wow. Okay. So that was matches. <laughs> I, was, I was a little bit nervous about bringing him on. Um, I think I was more nervous about popping our cherry. You know, there was our first guest, Alex. How do you feel about it? I I feel uh, slightly confused and overwhelmed, just like I did after <laughs> I popped my cherry. No, wait, is that's <laughs> no. not how that's referred to. Okay. No, 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 no. It's yeah. Did, it was good for you. <laughs> it was good for me. How was that for you, Ellie? Good, good. Hey, can we talk about Gen Z? I love it. I love it when you talk about the different, what do you call them? Generations. Generations. <laughs> I was trying to play with the word population. It just wasn't coming out. Okay. Well, here, here's the thing. The, the, the reason why Friends with Benefits reminded me of Gen Z is mm-hmm. because kind of the Gen Z relationship track is talking, then catching feelings or catching feels, and then a situationship. And uh, what? yeah, yeah, that's that that's their new official st- that's the new official stages of relationship. Okay, hold and on, stop. What do they mean by situationship? I haven't heard this one. Situationship like, is just their name for what we call friends with benefits. So just a small blip of time a situation like i'm i'm being very no 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 no. like don't don't be so literal just situationship it's a situation where you're kind of a relationship but you're still friends but maybe etc 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 again it's just another word for friends with benefits and here's the thing so as an elder millennial i say all of this with love and respect i i i love gen z but i feel like they kind of want to be millennials because they talk like we did in the 90s they -hmm. dress like we did they reboot the same movies that we enjoyed. They play the same games that we did. I mean, there's like Gen Z kids who are like, oh, I bet I can beat you at Mario Kart. And I'm like, I will crush you. You will not know what is coming. I have played Mario Kart longer than you have been alive. And they're kind of reinventing the same fear of commitment that we did. So what they call situationship is just what we called friends with benefits. And mm-hmm. You know, instead of talking and catching feels, we would just, you know, hook up and we would uh, go out and we would be friends with benefits. So it's the same thing. We're just kind of running in the same circle. But I feel like we could illustrate that a little bit better, maybe with some uh, actual lived in experiences of friends with benefits. Yeah. Yeah. This is the time when we both share. This is the time when we both share. Alex, have you heard of the term like age of enlightenment? Well, I mean, from like a history perspective, like the age of enlightenment between the 17th and 19th centuries. Yeah, I'm thinking about the time between 27 and 29 years of age of Ellie. (laughs) 
that was my age of enlightenment. <laughs> and that's okay. where I want to draw. That's where I want to draw a story from. But yes, you history it, nerd. Okay. Okay. Where well, you draw it in, you would draw expression list, punctual list. What's the. Okay. Sexualist. Enough. Yeah. Enough. <laughs> enough with the art jokes. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Enough. This, this, I, this is what I get for living with an artist. Oh, okay. No, there's nothing artsy about this. But what the story I want to share is um, about a friends with benefits that I had. And I didn't even know he was really a friends with benefits until later. Um, my marriage, which has spanned many decades, um, had some rough spots. And I don't know, about 20 years ago, we separated very early in our marriage for about two years. We were married young and we never sowed those proverbial wild oats. I think you sowed some wild oats, didn't you, Alex? Yeah, I, I sowed enough to the point where my mom yelled at me about that. Um, so Okay, we'll get yeah. to your story next. <laughs> no, that was the whole story. Oh. I'm not sure in anything else about okay. that part. <laughs> well... Um, I married my very first, my high school sweetheart. And uh, when we were separated, I didn't date. It was quite a shock um, to both of us. But I had a male colleague, and I'm going to give him a nickname for the sake of the show. He never really had a nickname. Yeah, but, um, but I'm going to call him Ringer because he was a, he was a dead ringer for uh, a Friends with Benefits. He was also separated, just like me. And we kind of worked in the same industry, uh, but he had no kids. And so as he heard in, you know, lunch conversations, chatting over lunch um, about me, he started to feel bad for this single separated young woman, this young mom, actually. And so I would find that he would show up and he would come to shovel my walk at midnight sometimes. So I'd wake up to a clean sidewalk. He would bring me meals. He would do things that just made my life easier. And there was never any romantic attachment to any of his actions. He just, he felt bad. He was showing, he was giving me some pity. Um, But he would even come over, um, started developing a friendship. And he'd watch shows with me, movies on the nights that I didn't have the kid. And he knew I was sitting at home being quite alone. Um, He would often meet me for lunch and we would grow into the sexual conversations, which then had us grow into the sexy benefits. But honestly, now that I reflect on it this many years later, it almost seemed out of necessity to meet that basic need. It was almost out of convenience because I wasn't really attracted to him, like physically when I, you know, looking at the height and the eye color and that kind of thing. Um, That wasn't really there for me at the beginning, but I definitely trusted him and I enjoyed spending time with him. And then, boy, oh boy, did I have to follow my instincts with what he did to my body. Because when this guy would kiss me, my knees would go totally weak. And I couldn't deny it. But there was the ability to meet those needs for each other, the sexual needs. And it, like you said earlier, it felt safe. And so as we grew closer, it was always just about our friendship. And the little bit of benefit. And he did spoil me. He bought me sex toys. He taught me about kinks. He shared his experience. And he taught me a lot about my body. So you could say 
he actually helped to deprogram me and also release me from my, how do you put it? My post-religious shackle. Do you know what I'm referring to, Alex? So yes and no. I understand it from an intellectual standpoint, but I had a very different experience growing up. So I don't, mm -hmm. I, I can't, I can, um, I can't, I can sympathize, but not empathize to be yeah. completely, just, just completely honest. I don't think you have to be a religious person to, uh, to, to kind of get the gist of what I'm saying that I didn't have a very good view of my body. I didn't have a good view, uh, on sexual relationships. Um, yeah. So he was the spark to my sexual enlightenment. All of a sudden I found myself in this period of my life and my marriage that I was being sexually educated. Um, he actually encouraged me to seek out whatever I desired. So it was a very open relationship, if you want to call it that, an open friendship. And so I created a fuck it list, a list where it's the things or people that you want to do, um, who you want to fuck. And okay. Okay. Can, Fuck it can, list. That's interesting. We, yeah. I can, I can share more stories in future episodes, but for today I want to focus on the friends with benefits and how I did work my way through the fuck it list in that period of time, which was almost two years. I had fabulous sexual experiences and of course a few ads and I definitely sowed my wild oats, but the whole time him and I were messing around that way we knew where our priorities were. Our hopes and our dreams were for reuniting with both of our spouses. And we both ended up going back to our spouses. After two years, we reunited. Now, the good news is that I'm still married to the love of my life, but he spent a lot of money on marital counseling and ended up getting divorced. Ooh. I was hoping that I was hoping that things would end up much better for your fuck Sherpa. I was really cheering for him. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, my fuck Sherpa just filled a gap for me. That's all it was. And it was. Yeah, he did. No, sorry. I'm, <laughs> I, I apologize. I'm contractually obligated to make that joke. I kind of threw the ball at you and you took the swing, right? I had to. So. He did. He, he filled a gap in meeting that sexual need, that release that I needed every now and then. And, uh, and I ended up returning to my one true love and my best friend. So 10 years later, one night we're having a conversation. My hubby actually asks me about what happened in those two years when we were separated. Yeah. 10 years later. This is when it finally comes out. Neither of the us man really has the patience of a saint. Well, me too. I never asked him. What did he do? Who did he see? Who did he fuck? Did he have girlfriends or not? Like, no, we just, we kept our friendship very strong, but we, we, we kept that boundary for ourselves. So 10 years later, he asks me and I'm honest. And I shared just a few of the chosen stories of my sexual exploits. And he was floored because that wasn't the person he married. He didn't know I had it in me, that I was interested. And he ended up being massively turned on. And it was actually what ignited his sharing kink. And it sparked our journey into this lifestyle. And honestly, though, as I end my, my little 
sharing. My hubby is my favorite, best friends with benefits, my BFWB. Very nice. Very lovely mm-hmm. story. Well, you got to share now. I'm not the one putting it all out there, Alex. Oh, okay. So um, this story, I've debated about sharing it quite a bit because I don't necessarily think that I come off in the best light on this one. But again, I have to be, (laughs) I mean, I have to be honest. And it is the most, one of the funniest and also kind of uh, naughtiest things that happened to me. No, I don't, I don't (laughs) like the the word naughty. Uh, I love the word naughty. Just go with it. Okay. All right. Try it on. So it is a story of how my dad accidentally caught me with two friends with benefits on the same night. What? The same night? Yes. Together? Yes. What? Well, not together. Let me elaborate. I had a friend with benefits and who we would we would see each other regularly and we already had basically scheduled a sleepover for her to come with food and we were just going to hang out, um have some dinner, watch a movie and uh, you know, other things. And she was going to stay overnight. And during dinner, we got a little sidetracked because we had a conversation uh, where I don't remember who remarked this, but I think it was me. Uh, Something about, well, that's like having sex with clothes on. And would you believe it? She was only wearing a sundress and that was it. So we decided, well, actually, what would that be like? So we completely got derailed and had a quickie right in the middle. And as we cleaned up and cleaned up after ourselves, um, I meant I was talking about dinner at that point. Things got (laughs) a little messy. Um, And she had uh, a phone call and it was an emergency and she had to leave, unfortunately. So she didn't pick up the phone. No, not during. This was well after. I just want to be clarifying. I just want to be super clear. This was well, this was well after we were, we had already, we had already cleaned up. We were dressed. I was doing the dishes after them, after the main course, I was getting plates ready for dessert and she got a call and she was very unpleasantly surprised that there was a medical emergency in her family. So she had to leave, which is unfortunate, but you know, Mm -hmm. Hey, it happens. Yeah. But it cut your night short then. That means you didn't actually get dessert. That was the same joke that she was trying to make before she got interrupted. Yeah, second dessert. <laughs> yeah, second dessert. Kind of like second breakfast and luncheon. Yeah. Um, and the whole hobbit eat. That's cycle. exactly where I was going. Um, okay. So she leaves. She leaves. So she leaves. Um, I get comfortable and I'm thinking, okay, well, there's my night. Now, in the meantime, my father already knew that I had plans, but he called me and he wanted to ask me a question about something important. I again, I, I don't remember what it, what what it was, but he called me shortly after she left and was like, "Hey, I'm really sorry. I know I'm interrupting your evening, but can you please help me with X, Y, Z?" And I told him, "Oh, don't worry. She had an emergency. She had to leave, uh, so I have some time to to help you out." And as we're talking, I answer his question and hang up and no sooner do I do that as I get a message from another friend 
with benefits asking if I'm doing anything tonight. And I said, well, I had plans, but unfortunately that fell through. And she said, okay, I'll be there in 30 minutes. That was kind nice. of her, that was kind of her custom. And I'm like, um, okay, I guess I'm in for a penny and for a pound. And then I get a message from my dad saying, Hey, you know, if you're, if your plants have fell through, do you want to come over and hang out with me and mom for a little bit? And that said, like, watch some TV or concerts or music with us kind of like, you know, we did it. We did generally usual where we're pretty close knit family. Mm -hmm. And I said, actually, you wouldn't believe me, but I have new plans for the evening. And of course my dad's response was blonde or redhead. And like a <laughs> moron, I answer redhead. <laughs> so I just out myself. And I stopped talking <laughs> because <laughs> at this point I've already, you know, I, I already dug my hole. I'm not going to dig it deeper. And my other friend with benefits comes over and we hang out and we chat and we have a drink and I put some music on and we proceed to get down until it's midnight and she goes home and I pass right the hell out because I am very, very tired. <laughs> kidding two in one night that's like two in under eight hours like yeah it's almost like a double 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 that means very different things here in canada with yes no i i know i just wanted to oh, have a it's important reference <laughs> <laughs> but no i really i this is just one of those things where it's like i'm i'm realizing that I, I'm not, I didn't even realize what I'd done because, oh, I was just with one person and now I'm all of a sudden going to be with another person like a couple hours later. Like, is that okay? Is that fine? But it just kind of happened. And this is, so this is the thing where maybe you can look at it from the standpoint of like, oh, you cat or what's a better word? I don't know. Slut. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you, oh, you slut. You, of course, of course you're trying to find an excuse. Um, and really this is kind of part of that whole neurodivergence thing where if someone is, if someone is basically saying like, Hey, I would like to do this. You kind of feel like, okay, uh, all right. That's, I, that I guess that's that's what's happening now because you're not you don't know how to navigate that so you kind of just let other people take the lead mm. um and that's kind of how I treated it like this is they decided that they were going to take the lead and I was there yes I was participating willingly and I was participating <laughs> but at the same time it just kind of felt like okay I guess that that's the thing that's happening and only after I was I I explained it to another friend of mine and she was like oh god you slut <laughs> now, uh, my mind is just going with 101 questions. I'm going to ask a question, but it's a very personal question because the more people I talk to in this lifestyle, there is, well, you're talking about a spectrum in some respects, but there's a spectrum of comfort um, when it comes to having multiple partners and that definition of what is a slut. But also there's a really touchy word lately um, on places like FetLife with the word safe. And so some people find that that type of more, uh, the old word is promiscuous um, lifestyle where you have multiple partners and multiple opportunities in a day, you know, that they find that that is morally wrong or makes them cringy or you know where I'm getting at? 
Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, I, I can definitely say that there's a little bit, there's definitely a part of me that that feels a little bit uneasy with that, where it's like, I don't look at it as like, oh yeah, conquest, two for one. I look at it from the <laughs> standpoint of like, hmm, that, it's an interesting thing that happened, but at the same time, would I do it again? I, I don't. I don't know necessarily well, here's, uh, because there, here's, there is the there is that question of safety. I wanted to make sure that you know I am staying safe and I'm staying mm -hmm. hygienic and I'm using protection mm -hmm. um, and I'm I'm trying to stay as clean as possible. But also the my question that I wanted to ask you, and you might not want to answer this, but if you do, is did both partners know? Did friends with benefits number one know that friends with benefits number two was even in the picture or that there was a possibility that there could be? Yes, they definitely knew. They didn't know. They hadn't necessarily met and like shook hands no. and like, oh, no, you no. know, I, uh, oh, I fuck them on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Oh, I yeah. fuck them on Thursdays and Saturdays. How nice to meet you. No, Lucky no, no, boy. that didn't happen. So but number it, two, did she they, know that your dick was in number one just hours before? No, but she knew that that was a possibility. She knew okay. that, yeah, she knew that there were multiple partners and she knew that um, I was trying to be as safe as possible. So we, yes. uh, we understood the risk in that and we had accepted that risk. Uh, mm -hmm. But I also think that we were also in this, in a place where both of us just really needed a lot of relief at the time. It yeah. was a very stressful time in our lives and that's what we chose to do. Yeah. Well, and I just want our listeners to hear all sides because there are people who are very comfortable and have clear communication and are very open with their partners. And then there's other people that, you know, need a more almost monogamous type of arrangement with their friends with benefits that they want to know that they're the one and only and that their level of risk is much, much lower you know, risk of exposure when we're talking about STIs, et cetera. And as I've gotten older, I definitely think that my tolerance for risk has gone down significantly. Um, mm -hmm. I would definitely be much more focused on if I'm going to have multiple partners, it would be something that's a one-off. It would be something mm -hmm. that would that I would try to be safe and use condoms no matter what. And I would obviously do my best to try and get tested on a regular basis. So yeah, my like I said, my mm -hmm. tolerance for risk has gone down significantly because I'm older, I've gotten some injuries, I've had some knocks, um, and I understand that I am mortal. I think that that in your 20s, in, in your early 20s, when this yeah. happened, you think that you're invincible, that nothing mm -hmm. possibly bad can happen to you. Or if it happens, then you can just walk it off. Um, and when you actually experience a couple of real hard knocks with life and you have something that's like a chronic injury or you really get hurt and you can't just walk it off for the first time in your life, you realize, oh, I'm made of flesh and bone. This is mm -hmm. not going to end well for me if I don't take good care of myself. So, and I think this definitely falls under that, um, under that category where you, you want to be safe, you want to be sane and your, to and your tolerance for us going down as you get older is not mm -hmm. you losing your sense of adventure. That's just you getting smarter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it just, it comes down to communication. Don't go into an arrangement or a new dynamic without asking 101 questions. And if someone stops you, don't let them ask all the questions you want and make sure that, you know, all the parameters are set that you are comfortable with. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I will harken back to one of our episodes where 
I did mention an incident where someone did not want to answer my questions or answered my questions in a way that made me very, very alarmed. So yeah, yeah, definitely talk about everything. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the dark side of friends with benefits can definitely sneak up, but there's definitely ways that you can kind of avoid those. Yeah, absolutely. You know what uh, our listeners should not avoid? What's that? They should not avoid our new website, TalkingKingPodcast.com. No, and they should go looking on the socials for all of our profiles. Right? Yeah, it's right there. Yeah, it's right there on the top banner of the website. And they should follow us. They should become members of the 1% Club. They should email us. They should yes. talk to us. There's a contact form. They should also subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, Amazon. They can they can get notified when we have a new episode out. We teased it enough, hopefully, to catch their attention. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really hoping that they're are gonna that they're gonna join us. I hope so too. I hope so too. I think we have a lot more to talk about. I always enjoy it and I look forward to next week. Absolutely. And you know what, Ellie, I really appreciate the questions that you ask. I, I, I appreciate when someone asks the hard questions. I'm not scared to ask them, but I'm sometimes scared to hear the answers. <laughs> and well, I'm scared as well to often answer them too. I'll be well, honest. I promise that I will be honest about them. Me too. <laughs> Till next time, Alex. Bye, Ellie. Bye, everyone. Bye.